Hi, my name is Ariane. I'm a traveler and I run a travel blog. Join me each week as I discover life, love, and the world. This is my Wonderlust Journey podcast. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Wonderless Journey, the podcast. I have with me today David. He is a really good friend of mine. I first met David when we were in Flight Center Travel Consultant Training. Again, since then, we've been really amazing friends. Uh, David's also worked for some amazing hotels, including three of the Red Carnation Hotels in London, which are known as luxury boutique hotels, very bougie, (laughs) and the Fairmount Hotel here in Vancouver. Uh, So welcome, David, to my podcast. Thank you for having me, and hello, listeners. (laughs) Okay, so let's get to know who you are. Okay. Uh, So first things first, um, some quick questions. Uh, So your favorite travel style right now? Favorite travel style? Uh, Frankly, I always tend to go for more um, cultural styled holiday versus a relaxing holiday. Definitely want to try the food, want to experience anything uh, very specific to the place that I'm visiting. Hotels, not really my priority personally as I travel, but definitely wanting to focus more on the experience and destination. Awesome. Okay, so that brings us into your favorite travel destination right now and why? Favorite travel destination? Oh, I'm going to have a whole episode just talking about that, frankly. But, I mean, overall, my favorite destination probably would be Italy. It's someplace I know that you and I, for example, share a lot of love for. But most recently, I was just in Brazil and have lots of positive feelings about that. So maybe that for the moment. Okay, so why Brazil? Just, it's such a lively country. I mean, we, my friend and I visited uh, quite a few different uh, places within the country. And uh, it's got just such... A specific feeling when you're there I mean it's I mean again to use the word lively it's just it's a certain feeling that you have within the streets that just really make you feel and understand where you are you're not just in a typical high street potentially in some large city or what have you it's you're really actually experiencing a very obvious culture but in the best of ways and that mixed in with all the things you can do and of course with the beautiful scenery it's just perfect awesome Okay, let's dig a little deeper. Most uncomfortable travel experience. Most uncomfortable. I mean, I suppose that could have some very dodgy stories, but um, I suppose, again, to give a bit of a contrast, probably in Brazil as well. Obviously, when you travel to certain countries, I mean, you have to anticipate, and of course, as we'll probably get into later, maybe educate yourself on maybe what the uh, country is like. And Brazil, while fantastic, does have its difficulties, as lots of countries do. And yeah, just with regards to safety, there were a couple of moments when I I did witness a couple maybe muggings, I guess is how you would say. Um, And that definitely made me uncomfortable since that's something kind of outside of my typical uh, realm. But again, it's just uh, understanding it and moving forward. But I was a little bit nervous. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm excited to kind of get into it because today's episode, of course, is all about travel anxieties. We got that. So we definitely got that. Um, Awesome. So what is the most memorable travel experience you've had? 
Wow. Honestly, as anybody that travels a lot, I'm sure that's the most difficult question. But for me, it probably would have been on a recent trip to Iceland. I It was for me very much a bucket list destination that I wanted to go to. And I just remember... Oh gosh, just sitting kind of underneath one of the waterfalls uh, that was part of a tour that I was on. And again, my, one of my favorite things about traveling is when you really know and feel you're in a specific destination. You aren't just in a place that could be a street at back home or what have you. And so for this, I knew just with the, with the view I had, just with the waterfall in front of me and kind of the green landscape. Uh, beyond that, it was just something that was so magical and something that I'd seen in so many pictures and on social media that to actually live it myself, yeah, was just insane and beautiful. Stunning. And your Stunning. photos are amazing, I have to Thank say. You. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so best travel tip that you could give our listeners today? Best travel tip? It probably is a tip that I've had and shared with you before, which is pack less because... You definitely don't need to have everything from your wardrobe, for example, in your luggage. I know we all love our creature comforts, and obviously, especially if you're going to multiple cities or visiting multiple different types of attractions or maybe restaurant chains or levels of, you know, different experiences of class, I guess is the word. You kind of want to have different uh, clothes and apparel to kind of suit that, which is true. But really, in my opinion, go for neutral, go for comfortable and go for light because those are the things that frankly you will use and frankly yes you are going to reuse because you're on a trip where you don't have the luxury of having your washer and dryer potentially just next to you so probably just pack light awesome do you read while you're on vacation and if so which books I try to read when I'm on vacation. I actually did bring a book for this trip. I even brought it to the beach a couple of times, but I never opened it. Uh, oh no, one chapter. I got one chapter done. I was proud. It was a it was a book based on a Greek mythology character, and I believe it's called Circe. And yes, I don't recall the author at the moment, but uh, yeah, I love it, and uh, I'll be reading it more at home. But yes, typically I try to bring a book with me as a, on holiday for sure. Awesome. Do you journal at all while you're away? I have done. Not every trip. It's actually quite. Um, I didn't really realize this until you just pointed it out. But uh, yeah, on some trips I do tend to journal. Others I don't. I know when I've traveled on my own, I do tend to do it more so, I guess, just to have that reliving experience when you get back home. And it just it feels a lot more therapeutic, I think, when you're on a trip on your own as well. So you kind of have a bit more time to reflect in the moment. So probably more so when I'm doing solo travel. Okay, so aisle or window seat on the airplane? You know, I probably should say aisle seat because I do love to get up and stretch, especially on a long haul flight, but I always go for window. I would much rather have the uh, discomfort <laughs> of sitting against a window for maybe eight hours just to have that opportunity to see, you know, the landscape either when you land or when you um, take off. So that's definitely kind of priority for me, for sure. Window. Awesome. Okay. And do you travel with backpack or luggage? Luggage. I did the backpack thing once, but that just made me realize I am a luggage person. So again, I said pack light, but still pack comfortably. And I definitely feel better with uh, some luggage with me. Awesome. Okay. And how many countries have you visited? You know, I just counted this recently, actually. And I think my count's up to 19. So getting to, getting close to 20. Awesome. Yes. And then how many continents? Continents, it would be three at the moment. 
So today we're here to really talk about travel anxieties. And I know before both of our last trips, you and I had a pretty in-depth conversation about what we were both getting anxiety about. What we're anticipating. What we were anticipating, maybe doing a little too much research into certain topics. (laughs) So let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about your last trip to Brazil. So when we were having the conversation, getting ready for my trip and your trip, you were doing a lot of research into Brazil. So talk to me about some of the anxieties that you were kind of feeling coming up to your travel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know obviously both of us do like to travel a lot, so we tend to talk about different destinations and dreams and so on. And Brazil for me was always a place that I really wanted to go and someplace I had a lot of desire to really experience. But once it becomes a reality when you're going to a new country, and for me, it was also a new continent, so I had never even been to South America at all. So it was not only visiting a new country, but visiting, I don't know, just an area that I wasn't very familiar with. So I've extensively traveled through Europe and feel very comfortable there. So when I had this different shift in gears, not only potentially with airlines I didn't know, um, servicing that area, not knowing maybe the society, perhaps what's, you know, allowed, what's not allowed, even things to money or what the safety is, or frankly, what you can do in the streets. So it's just one of those things where I had all these questions. I mean, I had a general idea, but for me, I definitely like to research before I go. And as you and I know, that can be great. And it is good because you should be prepared, but it can also feed your anxiety a bit. And I definitely had it probably with all the above that I mentioned. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think about it and it's like, even for this last trip that I did, you know, traveling, uh, you know, one of my stops is Naples. Mm -hmm. And Naples, unfortunately, has a really bad rap, you know, for uh, crime, for graffiti, for cleanliness of the city. Mm -hmm. Heavy theft, all that stuff. Yeah, but Mm -hmm. so do a lot of these places. Very much so. And, you know, I keep, even when I'm speaking with clients, it's, you know, even Mexico has a bad rap. It's one of those things where, okay, so would you walk downtown Vancouver, East Hastings, doing certain things? It's about being a smart traveler, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, the thing is, you are always going to face different hurdles, I suppose, or uh, things that are a bit more difficult to navigate through when you're traveling. And the thing is, when you're traveling, you do have a bit of naivety, which I think is a blessing, frankly, because you don't necessarily know the good or the bad. So you kind of have this I'm invincible sort of um, feeling, I guess, which is great. But then obviously, especially if you're a solo traveler, like I know you've done a lot in the past, or if you're just someone that likes to, you know, ensure their safety. I mean, it's something that we have to kind of comprehend that, frankly, nowadays, especially, unfortunately, you know, what is safety? And, you know, with respect to that, how do you kind of learn about these places to kind of not only curb the anxiety, but actually also not bring the anxiety to just an extreme level prior to yeah. even going to the destination? So, oh, and I sure. know I definitely kind of reached that <laughs> on this most recent trip. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think we both did. Yeah. I think we were both having that conversation where, you know, I was actually in Naples being like, mm, don't mm. know about this right now. <laughs> and we both love Italy. So it's not even yeah. a case of, oh, you know, oh, I don't feel great here. So for us, 
Yeah, I think it's sometimes it's just a feeling. I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, everybody has different experiences. So, yeah. I mean, like I told Omarion before she left, I have had great experiences in Naples. So I never kind of had that issue. But like we both know, and I mean, I'm like, I'm sure you'll talk about one day on a future episode. I mean, in your case, you like to do a lot of single traveling. And obviously you're a woman, a young woman. So that kind of encounters a lot of different things than it would be for me, for example. So yeah, I definitely think we did have that coffee catch up even before you left where there was a bit of like, okay, what can I expect? And how will I feel? And it's just sort of, keeping your head on and educating yourself, but not limiting yourself, I think, as well. Yeah, and I think it's also being, also reading between the lines. Mm. Like when you look uh, and do your research, you know, a trip advisor, for instance, I you need to start taking things with a bit of a grain of salt. For sure. Because when I was doing my research for Naples, for instance, the train from Naples down to Sorrento, goes through through Pompeii. Mm -hmm. Apparently that train is notorious for petty theft. So pickpockets. If you read online, it's like everybody that rides that train gets, you know, stolen from. Right. Which, let's face it, is Mm -hmm. not the truth. Of course, course. yeah. Um, But it's when you're initially reading something, you're like, oh, well, is this actually safe? And it plants that seed as well. It plants the seed. Mm. So, you know, you are getting that anxiety beforehand where it's like, well, am I making the right decision? Should Mm. I be looking at taking ferries instead? But the reality is, is wherever there's tourists, you're going to have those types of that type of theft and that type of crime. Yeah, and especially like high volume areas, like that train you're speaking of, for example, um, in that part of Italy, I mean, that's a huge kind of tourist um, link, I suppose, between these two really famous places, especially for like a lot of cruise travelers or people um, just visiting Naples. So again, like you're saying, I mean, any place that's high traffic, very popular, unfortunately that, you know, can bring about the wrong crowd as well or potential issues or things that can get in the way. But again... Being a smart traveler kind of hopefully supersedes all of that. Mm -hmm, For Mm -hmm. sure. Okay, now let's talk about anxiety um, airports and planes. That is a big one. (laughs) I think a lot of people have this A lot of people struggle with it. Absolutely. Even though I don't think necessarily call themselves anxious people, I think flying airports, that whole kind of experience, I really kind of... It kind of separates the people that can handle it and those that can't. I think it brings out, like, the inner demons inside Completely. everybody. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, it's it's a really... It's a, it's a difficult process, really. I mean, even I think if you're um, a tra- person that travels a lot, I don't think... I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but obviously a lot of people just kind of put up with it because it's not the most enjoyable. No. And then there's the people that love flying. So, yeah. But, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where... I think especially if you don't fly very often... Or if you're going to a new part of the world, I mean, obviously different countries have different custom procedures or things that may not be, that may surprise you or might seem a bit odd. Or again, we all have had that one dodgy border person that's not maybe the nicest and, you know, you you do encounter that. So I think, and we all again have the stories that we all pass on between friends and whomever and you always get the one horror story or you get um, the weird experience. And you have to realize these, these events with regards to like airplane travel, it's every day. So, I mean, that's the kind of thing I always used, frankly, to calm my anxiety was 
there's like 8 million flights, I'm exaggerating, flying at every moment. So why is it sure. happening on my flight? Do you know what I mean? So yeah. that kind of worked for me. Yeah. But what about you with like the whole airport situation? So the airport situation, so I think it actually starts at home, hmm. even before you get to the airport. So, you know, it's about, it's planning. Sure. Uh, you know, like the last few trips I've had, I've not been the greatest in the way of packing ahead of time. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it's true. Like, mm. I think the whole airport anxiety really starts at home. Mm. So, and that's why it's great to use a travel agent because I do think that, you know, we can make sure that our clients have all their documents a few days ahead of time, mm -hmm. make sure we've gone over the documents with everybody, you know, and then taking that initiative yourself to make sure that you have everything that you need as well mm -hmm. and packing like a couple days ahead of time so that you know you're not rushing to the safe and realizing that oops my passport expired a month ago there's such a checklist just prior <laughs> to your holiday really yeah that can really uh, just complicate things if you don't deal with it ahead of time and I mean, that's why, especially, like, I'm a big advocate for people going to travel agents, especially if you're not a consistent traveler or a constant traveler, because things are changing all the time. And if you're not well-read or if you're not the kind of person to research on your own, something as simple as maybe um, if, for example, if maybe if you're a European um, passport holder, I mean, going to the U.S. or Canada, you need these different kind of um, paperwork. Now, ESTA and ETA, mm -hmm. I think. So all these things, which frankly take maybe 10 minutes to apply for, but that's what gets you into the country. So that's a big thing to forget or kind of not be aware of. So yeah, I'm a total advocate uh, for booking with travel agents if you aren't the kind of person to research. And Again, passports, so many people don't seem to know you have to sometimes have a certain validity left, for example, yep. on your passport just to even enter a country, let alone maybe even leave the airport potentially. That's very true. Yeah. 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 No, it's very true. Some countries, it's three months you have to have left. Yeah. Uh, usually North America, it's just, you know, the day your passport expires. However, mm. there are some countries where they require six month validity. Mm. And that's not when you enter the country, when you're actually planning to leave the country. So yeah, there's lots of different things, but when it comes to, for me with airports, I mean, uh, my anxiety, I have Nexus. Mm -hmm. Thank God for Nexus. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, I'm able to use the Nexus lines to get through security, but even security can be a bit daunting. Like, oh my gosh, did I make sure that everything is in a clear plastic bag? Do I have my water bottle? Is it empty? All these things, even going through security and going through the state's security as well, oh. uh, taking off shoes, you know, again, thank God for TSA pre-check, but... She's done her homework. <laughs> <laughs> It's true, though. Yeah. But, it, but you know, it just it's another level, checking bags. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Is my bag underweight? Am I going to get charged extra? Like, the whole airport, there are times where it can be a bit overwhelming, especially around holidays. Absolutely. So, again, giving yourself extra time mm -hmm. because I always make sure I'm there, like, three hours before, sometimes even earlier. You never know what's going to happen. No. You want to give yourself that buffer time, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. You know, and even just traveling to the airport, like even backing up a little bit. Mm. I mean, here in this area, we have a tunnel to go through to get to the airport right. uh, for Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if there's an accident in that tunnel... 
I want to risk it, people. Yes. We'll talk about travel insurance uh, in the next episode. Um, but <laughs> short story, get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's true. Like mm. I've had even clients where they've missed flights because there's an accident in the tunnel, and <sighs> the thing about it is that they cancel if you miss your outbound flight. They auto-cancel your inbound, which not so many scary. people realize. <laughs> Such a nightmare. I can never imagine. I would touch wood now if I could, because that's so scary to me. <laughs> Getting to the airport early, going through security, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that you have that time, especially we don't have kids, either of us, but I really suggest families take that time to really kind of prepare for their trip, but also like airport Mm-hmm. And the plane itself, you know, you and I were, we've also talked about, you know, clothing, that kind of thing, but it's also packing the kids' carry-ons, making mm-hmm. sure you know what's in them. Um, so they didn't, you know, stick a water bottle in there. So when you come to security, everything is nice and seamless. For sure. And what are your thoughts on clothing? Yeah. Well, I mean, at the airport, I mean, I think it's definitely, well, again, for people that travel often, if you've got that friend, you've got that cousin, you've got that grandma that's going on a trip, maybe she doesn't travel that often, really give them a bit of a hand because I think anybody that travels often knows there's certain type of clothing I need to wear and or potentially things I shouldn't be wearing uh, just to kind of streamline the whole process. I mean, I know for me, again, obviously as, as a guy, I'm never going to wear, personally, I never wear a watch or I, I'm aware that my belt's going to have to come off or... Um, aware that you're going to have to have nice socks on people because you have to take your shoes off. So <laughs> wear the nice socks, not the one with holes that day. And uh, yeah, so and I, I know same thing for women. I mean, of course, a lot of ladies, yes, you look fabulous in the airport, but you have to take all those bangles off, those earrings, potentially the jewelry. So it's something that, you know, again, if you are somebody that deals with anxiety, make it easier for yourself anticipate, hey, I don't want to have to wear all these things. I'm going to have to take off probably when you're already stressed out. And then having probably not the happiest looking security person kind of telling you to take it off. Don't put yourself in that position. Go in something very comfortable and realize it's just transport at the end of the day. So, but to eliminate the kind of anxiety that will make you even that much more anxious, even before boarding your flight. Mm -hmm come on, you have to be kind to yourself, anticipate that's something you're going to worry about and, you know, follow through. And at the end of the day, you want to be comfortable regardless. So, For sure, yeah. I mean, of course you want to look nice. We all want to look presentable, etc. But again, do it in a smart way that, especially if you deal with anxiety, you're going to just sort of make it easier for yourself. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm. And I think too, like once you're through security, what I do is yes, it can be kind of stressful, But I go and visit one of the lounges. Mm. Um, I actually have lounge passes with the credit card I use, with part of the travel benefit. That's something that I go. And for me, it's, again, a time for me to kind of regroup if I need to do a quick, you know, meditation, podcast, thing like that. De-stress. De-stress, yeah. Mm. And it's a nice, quieter area usually. But you can find any of those areas. Like, you can find, I've done it in the Philadelphia airport, for instance. An entire wing wasn't being used that time of day. So again, I was able to find nice, quiet area to sit and even do a little bit of 
yoga, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, you're able to kind of whatever you need to do you in that moment mm-hmm. to kind of help your anxiety. So if you need to grab yourself a coffee, sit somewhere, relax, take a moment for yourself before you get on the plane, that's important. I know both of us were pretty big advocates of being kind to yourself. So I think especially when you are having a moment or you are someone that does not travel as often and you're really feeling an intense anxiety. I mean, again, like you're saying, just do whatever it does to kind of make yourself come back. If it's having, yeah, a nice little drink to yourself or it's escaping the crowd, finding a corner, it's definitely worth it. And actually the great thing, I mean, not for all airports, but the great thing nowadays is a lot of airports are starting to cater to kind of become a bit more comfortable as well. They are, yeah. I mean, whether it be, I mean, you know, like you've mentioned some great lounges, you know, they're all over, um, but also, I mean, spas are opening up in some places. There are, yeah. Like I know some of the airports that I've recently uh, transited through, libraries where people, it's take a book, leave a book. Oh, that's great. Um, There's been like areas where they've got rocking chairs faced out towards, Mm -hmm. you know, the tarmac where the planes come and go. Usually there's an observation lounge. So where you can go up and see the planes come and go. Also don't have to crowd the gate. So when your um, flight is called, you don't have to, you know, crowd the gate, start a line, that kind of thing. You don't have to worry as long as you're within that area of the gate, you know. And so I typically sit down, relax, because they usually call by groups now. Exactly. So when your group's called, that's when you can go up. But again, you can just sit, relax before you actually step foot on that plane. And I think that's actually another part of pre-planning in a way, because I think if you're conscious of, frankly, knowing your gait, if you're conscious of knowing maybe what group or zone you are on your flight, just reading through your ticket properly, because those are the kind of things which you may not have looked at, you know, maybe right when you got your boarding pass or what have you, but once you get that moment to check the board, make sure you know your gait, Maybe check it twice if you want to make sure if you've got that worry. But And then getting to your gate with enough time. Again, like you say, with rushing the gate. Of course, you know, it's, what is it, mob mentality, I guess, when some people start to get up, everyone kind of seems to get up or what have you. But, yeah, it seems that way. But at the end of the day, like you're saying, I mean, yeah, they are, oh, they always start with, what, first class or people that need assistance and all those different categories. And then, yeah, they're going to call your zone. And at the very minimum, you're going to get on the flight. So as long as you're in the right area... And you prepare. I mean, don't make this massive queue that you're probably gonna have to stand in and wait and watch hundreds of people get on prior to you. They'll just stress you out more, I think. So yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. And actually, just a little bit more on um, people with assistance. Hmm. You know, families. If you've got young kids, you'll be able to board earlier as well. I don't think people know that. Not many people realize that. I mean, they do kind of say it sometimes, mm-hmm. but it almost seems to kind of get lost in the mix. Mm-hmm. So if you do have young kids, because they want to be able to have time to put those strollers under, you definitely get to board earlier. Mm-hmm. And also, a lot of airports now, and again, this is something that maybe some people don't realize, there are actual airport programs, like for instance, Vancouver, YVR, has a autism program. Hmm. So kids with autism, there's a program for that. Also, they bring in the St. John's ambulance dogs 
Oh, wow. For therapy dogs. Cute. They're the cutest things ever. But they are actually walking around the terminals oh, wow. helping people because, again, they realize that, you know, airports and flying can be full of anxiety. So, yeah, so there are programs. You know, if you are using travel agent, just ask to see if there are any programs. If you're older um, and you're not sure how far your gate is, mm -hmm. you can actually use the golf carts. <laughs> but it's all about asking, I think. It is, totally. Especially if you're not someone that travels often. I mean, I mean, if you're lucky enough to book with an agent, I mean, obviously a lot of people, sorry, a lot of um, agents have obviously a lot of great experience and a lot of um, know-how. So it's speaking to them for all those questions that may cause you anxiety. But once you get that answer from someone that knows what they're talking about, frankly, you can really at least uh, reduce it, if anything. And again, that's even with somebody that is just um, an experienced traveler. So it's just making it more comfortable for yourself completely. Mm -hmm. mm. For sure. Uh, so now let's talk about anxiety actually on the plane. Mm. So, <laughs> so I actually got some feedback from this. Okay. Um, I asked the question on Instagram and uh, a couple of my listeners uh, did chime in and I actually can't believe how many people experience true anxiety on flights. And I, I know I'm not the only one. Nope. Like I'm not, I'm not afraid to fly. Mm -hmm. It's uncomfortable. For sure. But, you know, there's a lot of people out there with genuine anxieties about flying. And frankly, we could probably list a million different type of anxieties or reasons that you might have anxiety while flying. I mean, it can be obviously just being in one small space. It could be being cramped in a seat. You may not For sure. have the most comfortable seat. It could be about not having control. It could be about the height. It's all these different things that, I mean, for one reason or another... And frankly, I think they're valid, which is kind of a scary thing as well, because anybody that has these worries, of course, if you kind of feed it, it's very easy to kind of go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think we all kind of do that. Like, for instance, one woman, she mentioned that she knows that this could, you know, one in 100 trillion chance of the emergency door opening mid-flight sure. yeah um so she will never sit in an exit row oh wow okay also s sitting with your seatbelt always on hmm. that is me i do that as well actually yeah but well it's also because of turbulence like sure. the fact of the matter is these are the real thoughts that can sometimes go through some people's minds absolutely you know it's about managing those fears and, you know, there are actual people you can speak to if you do have, like, a dead set fear on flying. For sure. You can actually speak to therapists that specialize in these things. I think it's also creating that mindset when you're flying. So if you are a nervous traveler, maybe it is spending that money or making sure that you're checking in 24 hours prior to departure, making sure you have the seat that's most comfortable for you and the area of the plane that's more comfortable for you. And the great thing is, I mean, you really can select all those things quite far in advance with your flight, depending on your ticket and the airline. So that's something that obviously if you're worried about space, like you said, you can 
always pay, depending on the airline, it can be quite a small fee at times to go to maybe premium class or just have a different seat that might be in a different selection of the plane just to give you that much more space or a better position. And maybe if you're taller, obviously, it's about pre-planning. So you're not just kind of finding out as you board the plane that, you know, this is my life for the next 10 hours, maybe. So definitely kind of using that preparation time to work for you. Because really, if you know that you do kind of stress when you travel, there's so many things we can, you know, arrange before the fact, just to make it that much easier once it's happening. And I mean, I don't know, do you read on the plane? Do you watch some films? What do you do? Um, personally, if it's long haul, I end up do watching some movies, uh, catching up on some shows that maybe I don't you know, subscribe to at home, for instance. They've got great entertainment systems nowadays on a lot of flights, I have to they say. They do. And, mm. you know, as we both have said before, we both love the window seats. You know, if we're over somewhere, sometimes I'm actually just watching the map. Me as well. I, I love, love the map. <laughs> I love that. Although when you realize that the planes are the size of some countries at a time, you're like, what part of the country are we actually over? But it's a bit confusing. But it's kind of true. Yeah. But yeah, no, the map I love. Yes. Um, I rarely read. I do sometimes, de- again, depending on the flight. Sure. Sometimes I'm um, blogging. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm on my computer. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the time I'm usually watching movies. How about you? Yeah, same idea. I mean, again, it does depend on the length of the flight usually for me. I mean, if it's something under three hours, I'm usually just kind of okay to relax and maybe watch an episode or movie if I really feel like it. I find on the longer hauls, I tend to watch more films because it actually takes my mind off of it. I mean, yes, you don't really sleep, which obviously would be nice, but uh, for me it works. And it kind of just speeds up the whole process, I find, because the one thing I personally, I guess I have anxiety for while flying is just... I get very antsy after sitting for a long time or being in the one space. So for me, kind of having something where I can kind of lose myself in a movie for a couple of hours, potentially, at least, well, at minimum with one movie, just take out two hours, right? So it's something where just with that alone, I'm I'm kind of curbing that for me, which is really good. But uh, the other thing, actually, I was on a recent flight with an airline and uh, they had on their entertainment system. You are allowed to name airlines. Am I? It was American Airlines. And uh, (laughs) they actually had on their entertainment system, they had um obviously they had films they had um tv music but they even had podcasts um which hopefully this will be on one day but also it it will have one for anxiety it was actually i'm not sure if anybody's heard of the app or uh, i think it's a youtube channel as well it's called calm yes you could listen to short stories or someone's reading it um very in a relaxing way and they had a few episodes of that on the plane i was on so that was lovely i think it's such a clever idea yeah, I actually flew American from Philadelphia to Budapest. You saw that as well? And I saw it as well. And I actually so cool. used it. I um, almost did. I was, I was almost there. <laughs> so good. Mm. Unfortunately, I didn't have the TV in the back in that plane. Okay. I just had them through the American app. Um, but still, like, it's definitely useful. But even having that app on your phone when traveling, oh, yeah. you know, it's t- total game changer. Mm-hmm. Also, what other things do you think especially on the plane. I know for me, I do have a bit of germophobia. For me, that's what gives me anxiety on the plane. Hmm. I do find that using a washroom on a plane, for instance, is unless I am really needing to use it, Mm. I actually will not, which makes my flight very uncomfortable sometimes when it's a short haul. Yeah, I'm the same. But 
you know, I know I'm not the only one out there like that, mm-hmm. but it's also other things. Like I know there are some people who have food allergies and things like that. And that gives them anxiety on, on the flight because mm-hmm. they're not sure if they're going to be able to eat something for sometimes could be 10, 13, 14 hours on mm-hmm. long hauls. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of different anxieties when it comes to traveling. But I think again, it's always coming back to pre-planning. For sure. Whether it be ordering a specific uh, dietary meal, like you're saying. Yep. Whether it be traveling with um, Sani wipes or whatever. Oh, Lysol wipes clean. are life. See, again, people, <laughs> be clean, especially on transport. So we all know what that's like. But I mean, I even know some people, frankly, who I'm not ashamed to say, they just are worried about not having a toilet accessible or having enough accessible. And I mean, let's face it, we're all on there for 13, 14 hours. We're all humans. You need to do your thing. And uh, again, if there's only one or two available, or if there's a huge queue, or if, like you're saying, just down to cleanliness, it's not an enjoyable thing, yeah, that can be stressful as well. So For sure. Mm. And side note, the washroom is not the place to do your makeup. Oh my God, do people do that? <laughs> I've not seen that before. Well, anyways. <laughs> She's like, I did my makeup in there. <laughs> no. Anyway, yes, no, that's, yes, ladies do not do that. That's not fair. Well, it does take some time up, right? Like, usually there is a bit of a line. And it's about being, I think, um, courteous to the person next. We'll, We'll say that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I completely agree. And I think at the same time, I mean, of course, when you need the restroom, you do. However, try to go when there's nobody going. Because it's weird. Again, mob mentality again. It is. A couple people get up. Before you know, there's a line of 20, 30 people. And then it's like everybody in the whole row needs to go. People love to queue. <laughs> it's so weird. And trust me, you don't want to queue when you've had a couple too many wines on the, on the uh, planes. So no. Too many nice gin to tonics are never good. I also just want to bring up one bane of my existence right now. Let's talk basic economy. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So, basic economy, never a good idea unless you are bare bones traveler. Then you know what? And you have good travel insurance. I get it. Mm-hmm. However, I did have an experience with a family recently. Again, they insisted they wanted this basic economy ticket. Ended up that with basic economy and certain airlines, you're actually not given your seat selection until you're actually at the gate. Oh, wow. So just to confirm, then basic economy is the level below just a regular economy ticket, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. So basic economy, yes, it's going to be a really, really cheap ticket. Mm. Usually, of course, your seat selection is not included. Uh, It can be given to you at the gate. So your seats are only assigned to you at the gate. So even when you're passed through security, that's when you actually get your ticket. Like your seat selection your checked bags are usually twice as much so for instance with i'm just going to put it out there air canada WestJet, because um, that's who we're mostly familiar with here in canada mm-hmm. they actually charge 60 dollars to check a bag wow. if you're on a basic economy ticket so it's twice as much to actually check a bag if you need to it's to it's for these bigger airlines to uh, compete with the ultra low cost carriers. Sure. So now we're seeing Swoop, Flare, in Canada at least, mm-hmm. coming into the market. Uh, so these larger airlines want to try to compete with that. Mm-hmm. So they're non changeable, totally non refundable. 
So there's a lot of restrictions with these basic economy that not many people realize. For a family, though, kind of risky, I think, to book that kind of fare. Well, for anybody, it's very risky. Let's be real. I mean, how Mm. many times... I mean, I've changed... I've had to change tickets before. Mm. So that's stress with that. Yeah, of course. So it's a different level of anxiety. But the tricky thing, a lot of airlines um, tend to advertise that price as well. So you might be reeled in at that fare, assuming it's just regular economy, but it actually might be basic. So again, maybe reading what's included with your with your fare is really important too, I think. For sure. You know, for instance, this one family, they did book this basic economy. They were split at the gate. Wow. So, you know, and they had small children. Like, the children were four and six. So, you know, at least they were able to kind of plead with the airline, well, the four-year-old can't sit by themselves. Sure. <laughs> Even the six-year-old. <laughs> yeah. But still, it's one of those things where if you are... In, that can cause a lot of anxiety at the gate. Like, Absolutely. they were definitely not happy. Well, besides in flight, then, potentially on a long-haul flight, knowing you're child may not be super accessible is a little scary i'm sure for sure mm. so i think it's again coming down to as we've said multiple times (laughs) pre-planning planning's your friend planning's your friend but also really making sure that you're aware of what you're booking Hmm. i agree now i know on our little journey here through the air we're pretty much a destination now i think i think so now before we even land the plane do you think can you pre-plan too much before reaching your destination? Well, what do you mean by that? I just think, can you A, maybe take away some of the surprise of some of the beauties you're about to see? Can you maybe overanalyze maybe a couple of reviews you've read online for maybe different attractions or maybe the street you should maybe avoid or those type of scenarios? Because I know for me, on my most recent trip, I was again aware that in Brazil, especially now, there's quite a lot of political unrest, uh, from what I understand. And again, it's there's some things happening um, that obviously you have to kind of be aware of just in case, and obviously just to, to watch for yourself. And I know for me, again, never having been to a country like that, um, in South America, pardon me, that I wanted to do my research. But of course, you know, you can read 20 incredible glowing reviews of something, but the one bad experience, of course, because we're humans, always kind of stands out the most. So I know for me, especially when I was talking to you before I left, Mm -hmm. got myself into a bit of a panic because it was starting to not feel like I was planning for a holiday, but planning for me to, frankly, not stress out the whole time or feel uncomfortable or unsafe because you're not typically wanting to spend your holiday money putting yourself in a position where you're, you know, unhappy or worried or stressed. And that was a very long explanation, but do you know what I mean? Where you can kind of almost create stress with over planning. Yeah. No. At the same time, it's a balance, I think. Yeah, it's a total balance. And I think even stepping off the plane, for instance, mm. there's also, you know, making sure that, yes, you know what you need. And we've already kind of touched on this before, but, you know, making sure that you've got your visa in order if you need it, making sure that, you know, even Googling, you know, if you're the type of person where not knowing is going to give you anxiety, you know, I think you and I had an experience going to Puerto Vallarta a few years ago. (laughs) And, you know, you weren't aware that there was an additional kind of agriculture slash security check where Mm. you have to go and press a button. 
I've never seen this. I still haven't seen this at another airport yet. I haven't either. Okay, see? See? But it's something that people aren't... They don't realize. So they don't realize that it's totally random. If they hit the button and it goes green, you're fine. You walk through. But if it goes red, then you get an additional scan. Which, frankly, is no different than any airport. It's just sort of presented in a different way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so if you're not aware of it, which I know I wasn't. I don't know if you were or not. But it, it frankly did stress me out a little bit because, again, it's that not knowing. And, frankly, that's something that I do tend to get a little anxious about in some situations. And, again, that's when you kind of rely on your fellow passengers or yeah. hopefully someone from the airport that's working nearby. So, yeah, just kind of working your way through it. But, yeah, that was stressful. Yeah. And then also I think past that point, it's your arrival. So the one thing that I do to alleviate stress because I have had – issues in the past where you know you're arriving and again you might not necessarily speak the language you might not know exactly where your hotel is that you're going to or resort or airbnb or wherever you're staying it's i always choose to have an arrival transfer booked for me that way there's somebody with my name waiting for me i do private transfer some places like if you're doing a you know vacation to Mexico, usually they're shared. Sure. That's already already set up for you. Mm-hmm. But usually I do private transfer mm-hmm. whenever I land in a new country. And I make sure, because then you're not going to be, it's prepaid, mm-hmm. you're not going to get ripped off in destination because they're taking what you don't know is the long way around. Yes, exactly. With usually a well-reviewed company that you're aware of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's something that I do to alleviate my arrival stress. Because again, you're usually, if it's a long-haul flight, you're tired. Mm-hmm. You've just gone through security. You've gone through passport control. You're tired. Absolutely. So... Day one's not usually the best day for any of us on no. holiday. <laughs> not usually. Not usually. So yeah, so that's always what I do. And then, yes, I like to have a lot of research done for myself. Mm-hmm. And like we've already kind of said, sometimes it can maybe scare you out of doing things, mm. which I don't know if that's actually healthy is that just us (laughs) is that just us maybe because to be fair i mean the two of us we we actually frankly really enjoy the planning process yeah really looking into places we even help each other like oh check out this restaurant i found online or um i know a friend of a friend you know those like we really enjoy that for example but i mean obviously if you do have some tendencies to kind of lean towards anxiety as well um like i mentioned at least with my trip and you had a little bit apprehension I think with Naples like you said yeah um that again yeah you can I suppose I don't want to say ruin it that's not the right way to say it but you can definitely plant let's say a bigger seed mm-hmm. than just regular worry I suppose yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure mm-hmm. yeah I mean that being said it's always good to do research like for instance uh when I went to Vietnam the first day I was there and did my walkabout I saw five of the scams that I read online in play. Crazy. And, you know, I was very glad that I had read up on it as to what to expect. Like, for instance, that older lady that's walking by with the two baskets on the stick, you know, trying to shove it onto your shoulder to get that photo. Hmm. You know, I don't, I didn't need that photo. Right. That's not who I am anyways. Sure. But again, but seeing some of these things like offering to try food. 
and offering, you know, to help you fix a sandal, that kind of thing. Like, I saw all these things in play, but if I didn't read up on that, I wouldn't have known that, well, that is not a free sample when it comes to food, Mm -hmm. uh, unlike some some places that they demand money and they make a stink out of it. Yeah. Again, one thing I've heard as a general rule of thumb, sort of with that type of thing, uh, I read about this with Brazil as well, actually, is if someone's offering you something, let's say it's a local made handcraft or food, like you said, or anything. Like, for example, we had people offering us these uh, kind of hope um, bracelets while we were in uh, Brazil as well. And again, one of the tips that I really did read was, first of all, don't accept it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, second of all, if you are going to accept it, make sure you find out the price before even getting near it, I suppose, or if you plan to get it. Because if it's a case of, oh, come take my picture with me, and they kind of grab you and put their arms around you trying to, like, make it happen, and then they just start, one of their friends maybe starts taking pictures, or they get your other friend to, like, oh, come on, take pictures. Before you know it, you've taken a few photos just because of the whole situation, you get wrapped up, and they'll ask you for amount of money, which, frankly, maybe you don't have that much on you at that time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, again, these are very specific, but, I mean, they do happen. Yeah. And, again, it's not necessarily threatening in any way but it's just again putting yourself in a position that if you're not you know expecting something it can be a bit stressful for sure for sure yeah Mm. I think I alleviated some stress by reading about those things ahead of time and I think you feel the same about Brazil so there's definitely that I think a balance that Mm -hmm. has to be had and I think we both learned the very hard lesson this our past trips that we just did where Yes, you can definitely read too much into something Absolutely. and cause yourself to stress out unnecessarily. You just, just got to calm down. I know. That's what it is. <laughs> this is why she does yoga at the airport. But yeah, <laughs> come on. Okay, it's, it. it's like by myself. I'm going to clarify this. It's usually at a gate where there's no one around. I'm not literally doing downward dog in the middle of like... <laughs> Outside the PF Chang, like Denver airport. But yeah. Oh my God. But, hey, it's stress release. It is. It is. It is. I've not gotten there yet, but TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, is there anything else in regards to travel anxieties we want to share with our listeners today? I guess it's just a general thing. Um, We sort of hit on, obviously, the landing and getting to your destination. But something for me that I remember when I was a newer um, traveler that stressed me out was I found I didn't have necessarily an idea of what I would need at easy retrieval, I guess, from my bag or something. I mean, I know I went, like, I think it was to the UK, and they wanted to know my hotel name and address, and I didn't know my hotel name and address. Like, I knew I had it, like, in my phone somewhere. But I I didn't have it accessible. I mean, usually they don't want phones out when you're at those kind of places. So things like maybe scribble down... Yeah, I mean, it's good to obviously have the hotel name, address, contact anyway, but it's not always, you know, something that you may have thought about because we all have our phones, we're very reliant, or you assume maybe your friend you're traveling with has it out, and but you both don't. So I, for example, started kind of not only printing something out usually, but maybe even writing something out with regards to that. And with that said as well, traveling with a pen. Some countries, I know for us, I think when we come back to Canada, there's usually like a landing card or something. I used to be so stressed out when I didn't have a pen because I like couldn't complete it in time. Yep. And yep. you're like running because you don't <laughs> want to be queuing in the huge line of everybody arriving and you have no pen, you've not filled it out. So then you're stressed out about that. That used to be a big thing for me. I was so annoyed by that. And um, what else? I guess 
just having everything you need. Like, obviously, you hear a lot of the, the gate attendants say, like, passport open, photo page, have your boarding pass on the photo page, maybe keeping your sticker for your baggage attached to your passport. Things, I mean, you want to be as organized as you can, not just to be anal or over planning, but frankly, to make it easier for you. That's the whole point. It gets everybody moving. And I think those are kind of the main things. Yeah. Additional, I would say. Yeah. And I think also along that point, when you're in destination, mm. having the business card of the hotel you're staying at. So if anything were to happen, um, you can at least give the business card to a taxi driver, mm -hmm. to anybody, and you can, you know, they've got the address, the phone number, everything right on the hotel. So, or on that card of the hotel. So it's really... It does take a lot of stress that, you know, if you're in a city, for instance, uh, this happened to me in Barcelona, where, you know, I have an okay sense of direction. <laughs> but I knew we were going in the total different direction of where our hotel was. Mm -hmm. Turns out there was another hotel that was named very similar to the hotel I was staying at. So again, kind of alleviates that anxiety where you're like, where is this guy taking me right now? Mm -hmm. So, you know, things like that, I yep. think are also really important and to kind of alleviate some of the anxiety while traveling. Absolutely. And I mean, again, we enjoy the, the uh, planning process. So this might be extra to some people, but maybe even checking like while you're at the airport using the Wi-Fi, what is the duration to get from the airport to your hotel? Is it? Are you expecting maybe a 20-minute drive by car, or is it an hour? So even knowing those things, sometimes, granted, you don't know the route, you have a general idea of distance, so that's something that can help a lot. And again, once you're even at the hotel, by all means, travel with the style that you like. However, if getting around is kind of a concern for you, then, yeah, ask, is there a certain taxi company I should be using? Is this area safe? That's something that you can kind of just communicate with people. That's really will kind of help you on the entire holiday. For sure. Okay, so let's talk about one more thing before we let our listeners go, and that is public transport. Okay. I would say I've used it more. <laughs> you're not a fan. <laughs> uh, well, frankly, I don't love it. Okay, so <laughs> Europe, I'm becoming a fan. Because they have one that works. Yes. That's why. Okay, the train system in Europe is amazing yes not something well connected. Not, very well connected something we're not used to having here in canada or north america for that fact mm -hmm. but definitely trains love public transport still trying to get there however mm. i have to be honest this past trip i was very proud of myself <gasps> and did quite a bit of public transport she's turning around guys <laughs> But the thing was, my hotel that I stayed at, it was very close to one of the main metro lines in Great. Budapest, for instance. Always a good thing. In Austria, the tram system that they have that's above ground, mm. because that's where my issue is, really. Yeah. Amazing. Absolutely mm. incredible. But again, I was able to kind of, and that's the nice thing about Google nowadays mm -hmm. and some of these larger cities where finding the information on public transport and the stops you need even Google Maps is really good for that nowadays. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different, well, frankly, apps. There's an app for that, put it that way. <laughs> I mean, every there's so many different apps that really do, frankly, make your life a lot easier. There's one, of course, I can't think of it now, but there's one that I used when I, I used to live in the UK, and it, it would literally, you'd put in your, what would find your location, you'd put in the address of wherever you're going, and it would give you maybe five, six different means of transport and kind of the cost 
the route, the duration. So it might give you the overground train, it might give you a taxi, it might give you an Uber, it might give you an actual train. So uh, again, these things are made out there, and especially for places like Europe, which they're known for having good transport and very uh, smooth running transport. Absolutely. I mean, you definitely want to if not have done the homework, then at least have these apps um, downloaded perhaps. So you can definitely kind of make it easier once you're there, but because it can be a, a bit stressful sometimes thinking, how am I gonna get from here to there? I mean, it seems very basic, I think, when you're at home, but you know, if you have the language barrier, if you're taking maybe um, a different type of transport you don't usually take, you know, these things can be a little uncertain the first time, but you know, these things are manageable. They're used by the locals, not just tourists. I mean, these are things that are part of day-to-day -day living in these destinations. And it's just kind of finding a way to make it comfortable for you. And again, having a little map, having an app, checking with the hotel, those kind of things help. Yeah, no, for sure. Mm. Awesome. Well, I think we covered quite a bit of anxieties. Do we feel less anxious? I, I, I think we feel a little less anxious. I think so. Should we go do some yoga? <laughs> Maybe not, not at the moment, because we're now going to get into our next episode, which is all about travel safety and tips. Thank you so much again, David, for being here with us today to talk about travel anxiety. I really hope that uh, everyone kind of feels a little less stressed about traveling. We can feel the zen. Hopefully we can all feel yes. the zen. So how can my listeners find you? Yes, well, I'm on Instagram, so you can definitely follow my travel account. It's at Atraversiamo Insieme, which means let's cross over together, and I think it'll be linked on your page. Yeah, so I'll definitely link that into the show notes so everyone can spell it correctly and find you <laughs> properly. Uh, and then we'll also link you in, you know, my Instagram stories so that everyone can find you. Thank you. I hope you found today's episode on travel anxiety helpful and inspiring. I'd really like to thank my guest David for joining me today and discussing this topic. Be sure to check out the blog post for this episode at wonderlessjourney.ca and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd also be so grateful if you could leave me a review and share this podcast with your friends. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, or if you have any topics in mind you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please email me at podcasts at wonderlessjourney.ca or send me a message on Instagram at wonderlessjourney.ca. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.